Hey, everyone. God bless us. We made another week. We're here again on a Wednesday. Each and every week, we try to scour the earth looking for some of the legends, maybe that you don't know and that you should know. And this week, of course, is no exception to that rule. I know this gentleman a long time. And before we get into bringing this gentleman up, I want to thank everyone for every week tuning in, following us on YouTube. YouTube numbers have been skyrocketing. Thank you for hanging with our podcasts on all the portals from iHeartRadio, Apple Music, and everywhere. And thank you, everyone. And now that we're comfortable and everybody's jumping in, I want to say, welcome to True House Stories. I am Lenny Fontana coming out of New York City. Each and every week, I put together a show that I feel is very relevant and very important. And I like to work with people that are in the past and also in the present. This man is like the ghost of the past, but yet he is so relevant today. Strong, powerful, inclusive that I had to go and re-ring him when he was in Egypt to tell me I'm on my way home. I did not miss the show. Did I miss the show? He said, no, you didn't miss the show. You didn't miss the show, but you have to come and do the show. When's the show? He said, this coming Wednesday. And thankfully, he says, I'm flying home Tuesday for the show, which is great. He is known to being able to play on Thorne's turntables, which is very uh, not an easy thing. Those that know Thorne's turntables, belt driven. You had to have a soft touch. You know, we talk about it with some of the luminaries here in New York. They used to play Larry Levan and all the DJs like Bobby DJ Godadoro in the seventies. Nicky Ciano on 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 Thorne's turntables, and this man played on Thorne's turntables as well. But it not only goes from there. He kept his career going through the 80s, into the 90s, into the 2000s, the 2010s, and now we're into the 2020s. So I'm going to say this man has been around five good decades of dance excellence. I'd like to welcome to the stage from Cologne, Germany. Cologne, he lives right on the Rhine River. He showed me everything. It's beautiful. He's got his little dog and his wife, Jens Lazat. Hello. <laughs> Jens Lazat is here from Lazat and Voltax. And Jens Lazat, the DJ. Jens Lazat, the producer. Jens Lazat, the remixer, club promoter. You name it. Jens, how are you, babe? You good? Well, as you can see, uh, I'm pretty fine, you know. I still got some tan from Egypt, you know. <laughs> yeah, the sun was good. It was um, 33 degrees. The water was 30. And uh, relaxing after, you know, a hard job, you know, when you're, you know, how busy I am. And, yeah. Oh, you're running. You're running. Oh, you're running 20,000 labels, producing <laughs> and remixing. <laughs> you're trying to run an operation. You're trying to play the DJ. You're trying to take care of the family. You're doing everything. Yes, okay. you know, I'm, a, I'm an all rounder, you know, so I do the best I, I can. 
And yeah, it's nice to, to see you again. You know, the funny thing is, I just thought in this moment, you know, the last time when we met in person, it was six years, seven years ago. Yeah. We met by incident when I came out of the club from the Amsterdam dance event on a night, on a party night. And I was looking for a cab for a taxi. And I said, uh, and uh, there was a taxi in front of the club. And you, I said, hey, 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 are you free? No, 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 I have guests inside. I said, hey. And you, hey, well, wait, wait, you come on in. And I said, okay, okay. I, I, I should go there and there. And then you said, hey, I'm, I said, I'm Jens. He said, hey, I'm Lenny. Uh, where are you from? Yes, I'm from New York City. And uh, blah, blah, blah. We came over this, this, this go. And they said, hey, amazing, boy, right? Amazing, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we met in, in a cab in Amsterdam at the Amsterdam dance event. Uh, yeah, that was pretty cool, you know. And since that, we are always in contact. Wonderful, one. Yeah, no, I know. And 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 I later find out Jens's history because Jen Jens is not written like other DJs are written about the 70s and 80s part and then I started to realize when he came to me and said oh wait a minute wait 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 I'm not just known for house and techno we got to take it back I please want to come on the show I said oh yeah we must have you on the show Jens so we like to welcome you first of all first question I asked so that you could tell people we all went into lockdown and covid how have you been working with COVID and everything? What's life been like for you? Yes, you know, it was, you know, the, the, the COVID came over like um, at the end of February 2020. And, um, you know, I had my last show. Uh, there was a techno party on the on the 29th of February 2020. We had a big techno event for my, well, my, my, uh, one, my label manager for my techno label. Um, he organized his party. And the week after the Friday, I went on to a house party as Lizard, because as techno I go as Jens Lizard and house I play as just as Lizard. So this following Friday and the first Friday in March, this was the last party I played since well this this summer. So in the lockdown, where it was pretty tough, you know, everything stopped. Um, the good thing was, you know, I could manage it quite good because of the I have many labels, so um, the the production still went on. And yes, yeah, so, but for a lot of artists, I know it was very tough, you know, some had to change and some got money from uh, from the government so to survive and some went, went back in their um, old jobs. Well, it was pretty tough for everybody, I think, around the world. And at the moment, you know, it's just now it's November 2022. We have the highest rates here in Germany ever, you know, that every day, the new uh, the new um, numbers from uh, the incidences are coming and people are the, the rates are really really so high well that's the more that's uh what happens with covid and what may happens you, may I ask you why do you think the high the numbers are going so high with the with the covid in germany i think the reason is and the, what what it's, it's being said what what's the rates are so high because the people who are not vaccinated uh, they get the COVID at the moment. And because, you know, we have, you know, we can, you can go in the supermarket, wherever, you know, the, the restrictions are, uh, you know, and I don't know how to describe it. We have this rule like two and three G that the, the G in German means uh, vaccine or you are, you're, 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 um, 
you had COVID. That means in all you get a test. That's, that's one and two and three possibilities where you can enter um, clubs and, uh, and theaters and cinemas and everything. And uh, if you go to, some, it depends in some part of Germany, it's only with uh, with 2G. That means that if you had, if you're vaccinated or you had COVID, then you can enter the restaurant, not with a with PCR test. So it depends it's from, from, from state to state. Ah, and, yeah, okay. We have about 55 million people vaccinated from, from 82 million what we have in Germany. And uh, the children under 12, they are missing because the, the, the vaccine is not yet allowed for them. And, uh, but there are many people who say, well, you know, um, they are scared because of uh, what's happening in the future, what, what the vaccine might do to them or, you know, the rumors which go around and, or whatever. You know, you don't, you don't know what's, what's in these people's heads. But they are saying, I wait. Or they are strongly against it. They say, hey, "What? Yeah. I have in my friend, uh, friend, friend, my friend uh, circle, some people who are this and the most are vaccine. You know that you have." Uh, but listen, I have it right here in front of me. People fighting with me about not getting vaccinated, and every time I turn around, I hear someone goes into the hospital that's not vaccinated. They're not making it. They're not living, and that's what's scary about it. This it's is really what's, really really it's yeah. what's really scary about it now. It's like, yeah. like I don't even want to have these conversations. It's like I just say, I, I have my own belief. I, I was like, look, I want to travel. I want to get back to what we do. What do I need to do to be part of this? Do I believe the vaccines are really working? Some people is working. I believe they are, they are really working. I believe that. But you, but, but I have it. You know, I really believe that because you know, I I, I trust in the the the, uh, the the medicine. What I what, trust medicine too. Trust so, me. Um, you know what else? You know, uh, for example, <laughs> we can go on this on and on and not talk about music, but you know, yeah, right. Spend two hours. We did a lot of things in the past. You know, in the eighties and nineties and whatever we. You're old enough to remember. Okay, so we've talked about this on other shows. The HIV thing that happened in the 80s, and, and, and you know, it was part of the end of the disco era. It was rampant. It was kind of like we were losing professional people in our business, left and right. Yeah. It was crazy yeah. times. In New York, people were dying everywhere. Yeah, yeah, not only in New York, also here. In, uh, yeah, I know in Germany too. Like in New York, but you know, uh, you know, since I am in the disco, in the disco and in the scene, and I know a lot of gays, you know, died, died, and uh, also in the eighties because of AIDS, and then uh, there's still nothing work happened and working for. And there's no vaccine for for AIDS, and uh, we are lucky that we have vaccine for the COVID now. You know, you know how lucky the people would have been if there was a vaccine in the, the beginning of AIDS. We would be we'd be still having Sylvester and all of them with us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, right? All these guys, you know. Yeah. Falco, Falco, yeah. all of them would be still yeah. with us. But, okay, so let's get right into it. <laughs> yeah, come on, let's go. We have to let this, because Jens has a big story and I don't want him to lose any of it. So the one question I ask, Jens, and you could take it from there on the rest, is how does music find you as a young kid? And then you can explain your life through it all, and we'll guide you. 
So go ahead, Jens. How did okay, it happen? Um, I start from the right from the beginning. You know, the first touch what I had was, you know, my sister, she's seven years older than me. You know, I was born in 1964, so she's seven years older. And uh, when I was about five years old, 1969, 1970, you know, she was recording, you know, in front of the television when we had in Germany, like pop shows, you know, where there were like beat club or something. And she had a reel-to-reel, -reel, a very small reel-to-reel. And was she was recording the music from the television with the microphone, and uh, so I got interested into into the music, you know, just you know when I was very very young. And then, and to shorten it up, in nineteen uh, I think it was nineteen seventy four, I bought my first little seven inch single. You know the seven inch singles, people. You know you who are the younger DJs. You know the the formats. You know what we had was seven inch, and then ten inch, and then twelve inch. So the seven inch uh, with a big hole in the middle was the, the my first one was the Carpenters. Stop! Oh yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. This was my first uh, single, and so i um, you know, I got my, uh, my my money from my mom. You know, with this weekly money, what you get. I don't know the, the English expression for it, but you know, you get money in Germany. We call it Taschengeld. Allowance in English. Pocket, yeah, whatever pocket money. You know, when you're you know, from. Not the, the money what you get from your grandpa or you know, the extra money, but <laughs> so I went uh, and I went to uh, you know I was living in in a suburb of of Hamburg. It's called Heilstenberg. That is uh, uh, at, you know when when Hamburg is ending, uh, the next uh, state starts, and it was Schleswig-Holstein, and this was the border, you know, to Hamburg. So I, we had a little store where you know, there were television, they could buy radios, whatever, and they had these little seven inch singers every week and uh, I, I was going there with my five marks <laughs> so and i bought every week a new seven inch single and then you know i had a, a little collection and in uh, in the school uh, the my uh, my classmates they invited me always to their to their class to the birthday parties because i had the music so I was already uh, um, uh, a very young DJ. So I went to these birthday parties at the age of eight, nine, ten. This is the very, very, very beginning. And then since I came back to my sister, where we make a break now. Um, my sister, seven years older, she, um, when I was about uh, 13, 14 years old, you know, she had uh, 14. That means that was 1978. She bought. She went to discos and she bought um, L L albums and uh, she played me in her in her room next to my room. She played like Peter Jacques Band or um, uh, um, um, Roy Ayers on something, stuff like that. You know, she bought uh, the LPs and I was like, oh, what's the fuck? Because my stuff was more like Bay City Rollers, Status Quo, Uriah Heep and all these, the glam rock 70s stuff. So, so I, I was interested. Uh, that my sister played soul and disco. And then uh, in 1978, I went uh, with a friend into an import shop and I bought my first 12-inch singles, which was, uh, the first one was, uh, like a called, do you know this uh, uh, Super Sound Maxi single? The, the German imports for you? Super Sound Maxi single. It was George Moroder, The Chase. And the second one was a UK import from uh, Two Men Sound, Ketal America. This were my first two 12 inches. So um, this was a start of for me to collect uh, music 
So then came 1979, and now um, this uh, now comes the, the year which made uh, the, the most impact on my life. So um, in nine, at the end of 1978, there was a discotheque opening in Hamburg, like the Studio 54. The owner of this club, you know, he went to New York City and uh, to, to clubs like Infinity and, and uh, Studio 54, and he hired um, the, the, um, the um, a company called Design Circuit from New York, who built clubs and architecture and everything. And he met Richard Long there. This is a, yeah, this is the system where I worked, you know, this is um, the Bozak mixer. And the Richard Long system on the right, with a, on, on, the, on the left, which you can't see, where I'm standing in front, there was the isolator with a bass, mitts and tweeters, which was amazing, you know. And I was, in this photo, I was 17 years old. It was 1981. You know, they have, you have the three Thorins, TD-126, MK2, so which were really, uh, I don't know the English word, they were, you know, they were not uh, fixed, you know, they were always... Uh, sliding a bit so they uh, had the belt drives and uh, yes on the very left you can you could see the, the, the tape deck that uh, which way where you we, we recorded um, your sessions so and um, there's summer in 1979 uh, I was 15 years old uh, my sister uh, was 22 so and she said hey there's a new club open you know and uh, as I told you, they had a long system and they had the neon lights. And by the way, in 1979, the Billboard magazine voted uh, the Trinity light show the best light show in the world. It was really amazing, this light show. Um, I, I have pictures here, but uh, yeah, well, I, I, wish, I will show you in a minute. I will see if, I, uh, if we have a time, I go and get the uh, photo of it. Well, um, so we went there that night and... Uh, the only thing that what I saw before was in our um, small discos where I went, you know, I had, um, I wasn't allowed, I was 15, you know, I had a, a student uh, passport where you can write, uh, fix uh, your date of birth, your one year higher. So um, on my student passport, I was already 16. So I was allowed then to go to the club uh, until 10 o'clock from eight o'clock till 10 o'clock. It was allowed. So, um, so I went with my sister there and, uh, we went, went into the club. It was like a long floor. You went around and then you already had to, you had the, the big, the Richard Long system already pumping. And I was like, Ooh, what the fuck is this? You know, I was, uh, and then you entered through a small, uh, entrance. It was like an old theater, you know, the theater was the first, it was down and then up there was, uh, the whole floor, the light show, uh, the speakers and four corners and the, the bass uh, speakers at, behind the booth. And you could walk on the side, on the club, up and, uh, and uh, above the DJ. And I was looking down what he was doing. And you saw the photo with the three thorns, you know. There was DJ and that night, there was a New York DJ called David Bigone. You know, he's still on Facebook uh, if you want to check David Bigun. So he was staying there and, and, and queuing the records. You know, I was like, what the fuck he's doing with the records? I said, he's breaking the turntables maybe or whatever, scratching the... I don't know. what. I didn't, nobody showed me, nobody... I didn't never saw this before. It was absolutely new to me. And I said, what the fuck is he doing? And I said, well, it was so interesting. So I went down to him 
They say, hey, what are you doing with the, yes, this is called queuing. And then you have to mix beat per beat per beat on uh, beats per minutes. And beat on beat, you have to have beat mixing, whatever. You know, I was so young, I didn't understand what he was telling me. But the only thing I know was I wanted to do this too. So um, I watched him the whole night, the light shows, the neons, the confetti was going down, the big mirror ball in the middle. Amazing. So um, that night, you know, and the thing is, you know, I was already collecting records. I told you I bought 12 inches. I bought seven. Uh, and that night, you know, he played a lot of U.S. imports, which I never heard before. Uh, he played all these Poussey things and Katmandu and Savage Lovers things, you know, I, but with the records, which I never heard before in my life. So I said, what the fuck? The music this is crazy, you know? So where can I get this music from? So the next thing... And we went home, my sister and me and, and, his, and her girlfriend. And, uh, and uh, we, I went to bed sleeping in and, and the afternoon or I don't know what time. I woke up and I went to my mama, my mother and I said, Mama, I need a credit for turntables and the mixer. I want to learn how to DJ. She said, oh, yes, why not? You know, I give you some money. You can look what you want. And because the thing is, my mother, she was very old. She was in the Second World War. She made music on a gramophone on Sunday um, afternoon parties at a cafe near Berlin. And she played, you know, the shellac, you know, shellac discs on a gramophone on Saturday, uh, Sunday afternoons on the, it's called Tanzti, you know, dance tea parties. She, she, she played uh, the music only with one gramophone, one, not, not mixing, but Say, hey, I was a DJ too, Yen. So <laughs> I give you the money, you can go and get the turntables and the mixer. So I went into the city the next uh, Monday and bought two Technics SLB3, also belt driven Technics uh, in 1979. And I bought a mixer without headphone, you know, because I didn't know for queuing, you know, so, 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 so queuing uh, the. So I bought the wrong, and I, I got the mixer home and I said, hey, there's only one uh, thing, one one uh, entry for a headphone, but you can't uh, pre-listen the other channel. So I said, well, something is wrong. So I went into the city, changed the mixer with, with pre-listening. Uh, then I got my equipment. I started to, to mix how, I don't know, I didn't know how to do it because there was nobody who, could, who shows you or show, showed me how to mix. So what I found out is, uh, is that the, the records have different temp tempos. Then I was uh, um, counting the beats per minute, like uh, on my watch, 15 seconds times four. So I had uh, almost the BPM range. And the first thing what I can do is because uh, I bought two copies of Cheek Good Times. And uh, what I was doing is I was uh, trying to mix them together. So I, I, to one into the other and back and forth. And by that, you know, I, I learned how to double, you know, I, I didn't know how, what doubling was, you know, to, to, uh, you know, doubling, you know, one bar, two bars. And then I, and I, then I tried, you know, I, I, by incident, I learned how to face the records, you know, I played them at the same, <laughs> at the same start point. And suddenly I was like, I said, wow, what cool effect is that? You know, nobody showed me. So I, I discovered phasing and I discovered doubling. And I, uh, yeah, I learned how to mix, and then I uh, tried mixing every afternoon after school. 
I went to, we had one import store in Hamburg called Soul City. We had the imports from the States. You know, we had to buy everything. And uh, for example, one German maxi single was seven marks, but the import was 15 marks, which was very expensive. So this is how I discovered disco music then in 1978-79. So from that on, I started collecting imports. I was going, yeah, this is a little bit further. Now. I was going to Amsterdam for buying imports there. I was going to London for buying imports. And uh, if I had records, bought double copies or, or three copies of, of a record, it was rare. We were a small community in Hamburg, you know, disco lovers, and we shared the records and then we sold each other and changed copies. This was really, really a nice time. So then, um, yeah, one second, I am having a... So I was going to ask you, um, who else was around that time in, in Hamburg that you were saying the disco lovers as far as... Yes, I can tell you the DJ names, you know, because... This Trinity Club, which opened uh, in December 28th, the 28th December, uh, they, they hired the first uh, DJ from New York City. Her name was Sharon Lee. I don't know if you ever heard. You know Sharon Lee? No. Was, Sharon, why did I know that Sharon Lee? Famous, famous New York DJ. They, they, they told us. We thought, uh, I never met her personally because when I... My first time had in, in July 79, she already uh, disappeared back to somewhere in the world, you know, but she was, uh, you know, she, the promotion was, hey, the famous new DJ from New York from Studio 54, Sharon Lee, but, well, today uh, nobody knows, and she disappeared. Well, then we had David Bigon, that's what my first night, he was a DJ, and then in November 1979, this was when I was going to the club with my, you know, I won a, a, a year card. You know, on, on the teen disco, I went to the teen disco Sunday from two, 4 o'clock till 10 o'clock. And, and there was Tombola, Tombola, you know, there you could win something. And I won a Jahreskarte, a, 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 a card to free entry for one year. Membership free, free membership free. Wow. So I was able to enter without. It was very, you know, it was very expensive. You know, it was twenty German marks. I don't know how much was it in dollars back then, but it was maybe fifteen dollars. Yeah, I was going to say it's about ten, ten to fifteen, if I remember correctly. Around this well, was really, really, really expensive. You know, if you go, we went to another club, for example, at that time, to my, to my, this goes where I went. I, I paid three, three marks, and this was twenty. This was really, really, really expensive back well, then. Well, because it was a Studio 54 of Hamburg. Yeah, of, course, of course, you know, if, but if you see this club, it's crazy. Well, um, back to the point now, as well as, uh, yeah, so 20 marks entrance, and uh, I, I won my, my year card, so I could enter every time. And then we had DJ Charles McRae, who was still a friend, you know, so now he's, from, he's living in the Bronx. Have you ever heard of Charles McRae? No. <laughs> Okay, he was from. But New there's York. a lot of DJs that played in Germany yeah, that were American. Ray Yates, you know Ray Yates. Yes, the names I know, Ray Yates. I heard yeah. that name, but they never. I don't remember ever hearing them play in New York. Yes, because he when he came to Germany in 1979, he stayed here. They stayed. He stayed right. here about five, six, seven years. You know, he was yeah, living they, made, they yeah. made their names in Europe. They made yes. their names. I know. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that. That's the point. So then. Um, and then came 1980, um, at the beginning uh, of the year, 
You know, I was, I had my first DJ gig the night before I went, you know, I went, I'm born on the 31st of January. So this was the 30th January was, of, uh, I think it was uh, Saturday night. And my friend, he was already 19. He said, hey, Jens, I know you are, you can mix a bit. And hey, there's a discotheque uh, in, uh, near, near Hamburg. Where we can play, uh, I had a DJ gig there that night. If you want to join me and uh, you can come with me, I said, hey, why not? Okay. So we mixed, <laughs> we came to the club and uh, I mixed within the night. They had, I can't remember that, uh, it was a Technics model without pitch control. Do you know this? It was a Technics turntable without those pitch. Must be, those must be the um, the radio oh. versions. Those radio, direct, was it direct drive? Crazy. I, I can't remember, but I, I think, hey. There was no, yeah, there was no pitch on those. No <laughs> pitch. <laughs> What the fuck is this? Where can I adjust the speed? And I said, you know, man, there's no. And then we tried, you know, with like. Uh... <laughs> so this was my first DJ night ever. So where officially, I was still 15. So and then uh, we had in Hamburg, uh, we had the Trinity, the club which I told you about, and we had the second best club in Hamburg, which was the Star Club. Uh, this club opened 1977, and. Uh, I was there all the time because I could enter there easily uh, Saturday nights with my uh, with my student passport uh, until 10 o'clock. So uh, I went there a lot of times. And then uh, by March, I was really good at mixing. I recorded tapes and uh, and I went to um, to the uh, on a Wednesday afternoon. This is the story. And on Wednesday afternoon, I had my uh, my my scooter. So well, I went with my scooter from. Uh, the, from my hometown to into the into the middle of Hamburg and Hamburg City and to the club, I knocked at the door, and and uh, somebody was opening. Hey, what do you want? I said, hey, yes, uh, is uh, the, the owner here, the boss there? Because I'm a DJ. I wanna I wanna say hi and maybe uh, he has a job. Come on over. Huh? And then, so I went in. We went upstairs to the to his office. And then there was an old man, you know, like this. He was very old. His name was Horst Fletcher. He was sitting there, hey, little boy, what do you want to do? Yes, I'm the DJ, you know, and I can mix like the American DJs from Trinity. Ah, yes, I said. And then I had my, my, my cassette re recorder with me and my tape. I said, listen, I said, oh, no, 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 no. You go upstairs and show me what you can. You're not playing a cassette here. I said, oh, okay, so. I went out of the office upstairs to the DJ booth and they switched on the electricity and everything. And then I started, you know, they put the, the needle like this. <laughs> and I started mixing uh, the records, uh, what they had, because every club had his own records that time, you know, not the DJs bring the record because the clubs bought the, the records for the, for, for the DJs to play. So I played about 45 minutes or one hour. I can't remember exactly. And then, uh, he, 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 he shouted at me, hey, come on. And then, and then uh, I went up to his office again. He said, hey, Jens, that was good. You know, if you want, you can start on Saturday, but I only pay you 100 German marks. I said, wow, that's cool. No, let's do it. And then he shake, uh, take my hand for a shake game. And, uh, and he looked me in the eyes, Lenny, like this, like, are you already 18? I said, sure, my car is outside. <laughs> I was 16. <laughs> so I got my first residency when I was 16 uh, in a disco. You know, they had the, the floor was like 
the disco from uh, the Odyssey 2001 from uh, Saturday Night Fever. What was the club name? You know, you know it. That was in actually in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Yeah. And Ralphie D played there. Yes. It had the um in that the was, yeah, the light the light guy who the hell installed that? Light Labs, I think, did that floor for them. Yes, this was uh, so my first DJ job. So um yeah. This uh was the, the beginning of my career. Uh, let's say like this 1980 in March, and then uh yeah. So um and then you know by the by the times, you know, I started discovered, you know, what in this. Please search for part two of this podcast on the platform you're watching or listening to. And please do not forget to follow us.